This this week on Nintendo Main, we teach you how to harness the power of Ifrit. And I'm going to talk about Final Fantasy for kids. Welcome to Nintendo Main, episode 31. We are your hosts, Trey Johnson. Hey, how's it going? It's Jeremy McCaskey. What's up, man? I am playing a lot of Nintendo 64. Still? Yeah, man. 20 years old. It is. Uh, it is, officially. I finally got a hold of a controller that has a good stick on it, so I got really excited about it. Oh, cool. That's good. Playing more. Uh, I, down- I, I did not download. <laughs> I purchased Perfect Dark and started playing that a little bit today. Forgot that... The game actually looks pretty good for a 16-year-old 64 game. Oh yeah. If if you have I mean if you have the expansion pack it looks great. There's a lot of people going, "Why me?" <laughs> oh yeah. It's, it's part of the realism. It had a cool soundtrack too. I should get I should get a hold of that soundtrack. I like the um and I like like the whole like, you know, it's it feels like Blade Runner and like some levels like with the flying cop cars and all that and it was pretty yeah. cool. It's pretty cool for the time. And there was that what was the name of that alien that was in there? Who were the alien oh. with the with the American vest? Elvis, right? Yeah, Elvis. That guy. <laughs> he was great. I always was him, uh he was my character was Elvis but in like a in like the tall guy with the trench coat because you can make your own characters for the multiplayer which made my head like super super huge so it kind of really wasn't advantageous to myself because it was really easy to shoot me in the head but i just thought it was funny so i was elvis and a giant dude in a trench coat was was like my character that i that i ran around with i do remember talking in one of our previous episodes about how perfect dark was one of those games where it was suddenly like really really cheap at toys r us like a big bin full of them or whatever Oh, yeah, I wasn't sure if we had talked about Perfect Dark at all. But uh it, but, yeah, it is it is like the 20th anniversary of 64, so I was thinking like on our next on our next episode we'd probably get into uh we'll get into some 64 stuff. Maybe talk about the launch titles. So, so that'll be cool. You got that to look forward to. Yeah. Listeners. <laughs> Listeners out there. So there was uh so let's let's do the news first and we'll get into the stuff that we were playing after that. So there was like a there was like a meeting, like some sort of financial meeting last night this morning, right? right. Um apparently uh I I guess I mean there was only a few things that I caught from it. They said that Zelda has to sell 2 million units to, you know, for them to like not lose money on it because they had such a huge development team. I don't think that's going to be a problem. I mean, really? I mean, I think anybody who bought a Wii U is planning on buying the game, you know? And, yeah. and vice versa, I'm sure it'll sell a lot of NXs depending on whatever they do with it. Yeah, this is a meeting for the investors, so most of the questions in the audience were aimed at, like, all right, so how are you keeping costs down, and how are you, like, promoting certain IPs, and how are you planning on making a bunch of money for us, people that are invested? Sure. And it's also, and it's probably like projections also. Like they're like, we expect yeah. to make this much or, cause they said, they said something like all they really expect is like what 300,000 is like considered a success for them for like any game is what they were saying. But they said because of the scope of like how many people they had working on this particular game, their success would have to be higher. It would have to be over 2 million, which I don't think that'll be a problem. I, I think mean, the hype train is like full on for this. Yeah, game. and it, well, it's it, going to sell systems already. I think. Yeah, and it well, it was received really well at E3. Like a lot of people really liked the demo. I think everybody's super excited for it. You got a game of the show from a lot of different publications. They did. They got game of the show from IGN and 
and I mean, it's oh, it was just it was an amazing looking demo, and you didn't really see much of it, just just like the gameplay, which is really cool. But I think yeah, it's got a lot of steam behind it. Hopefully, it doesn't lose it by March seventeenth or whatever. But I think or March of twenty seventeen. There's no date yet, but I'm sure they'll do all right. Especially like with the high adoption rate of most games for the Wii U. Even though I guess it's toward the end, and a lot of people would be maybe getting to the other system. But I, for one, am getting the Wii U one for sure because it's going to be rare, and who knows, it might be better. I'm not getting uh, Twilight Princess again in my in my in my purchasing choices. Yeah. So yeah, there's that. Also, uh, Miyamoto did say that they have been that they have been uh, researching VR for the next system. Um, I, I wrote down his quote. He actually said that long play sessions are an issue. We want to release something that can be played for long periods, carries value, and is affordable. We want parents to feel at ease, is what he said about that. <laughs> I wonder if that's a reference to, like, the Virtual Boy <laughs> and all that. That's whole, gotta like, be. Yeah. Well, I mean, even, like, the 3DS to a point, too, where it's, like, it's kind of like where they came out with the 2DS because kids of a certain age, like, it's still supposed to be bad for you if you're, like, under 10 or 9 or something like that. So... I don't know. Maybe they're being extra cautious. It's interesting that they are looking into it. But yeah, I mean, as of right now, I don't think it's a thing yet. I mean, it's maybe the future, but it's always good to have that ability in there in case they do want to get to it, like you like you were saying last time we talked about it. But he said he went out and said that they were doing it. Yeah, I mean, of course they're researching it. I mean, it's a buzz thing. So this may be one of those cases where Nintendo's being smart and stepping back and seeing like how other companies are going to make this happen commercially and learn from the the mistakes of other try to minimize it and then do the nintendo thing where they like you know use inferior hardware not inferior but you know what i mean like they don't need like top of the line hardware to run whatever their concept is yeah I well mean, there's it, it's probably part of a whole planning thing they've got working <laughs> i would hope i mean if it does take off nintendo's gonna do it too sure yeah, I mean, it, it, it's been mixed, but it, like rumors have been mixed, I guess, saying like whether, I was going to say, I hope they don't come up, come out with a system that's not like on par with the other systems out right now. That would just be kind of pointless. They'd have another Wii U problem. I mean, Miyamoto did mention he checked out VR while, you know, at E3 and said to him it was not quite what he expected. I mean, I don't know what he expected, but yeah. <laughs> he's like, a lot of stuff I, I've watched says, you know, like you just, you completely, I don't know, you still feel like you're sitting in a chair or whatever and that ruins it. Yeah. He's like, he's like, man, there's way too many colors in here. You guys should have just, you guys should have just <laughs> went with red and black. I mean, that's the way to do it. It's a real way to do virtual reality. I mean, come on. You guys don't know anything. You newbies, we've been doing this for years. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, apparently, uh, he also, uh, apparently he also spoke on the NX and said, you know, that you know, the, why they didn't show it at E3 because it was like a new idea that they don't want anybody to see because they think that everybody's going to steal it, right? Well, you know, <laughs> they've got proof from other things they've done. We saw how many people stole, like, putting screens on their controllers after the Wii U came out. So, <laughs> so shit, man. Right. Better, better hide those ideas. <laughs> well, not really, but, uh, I mean, they did all do something where they would connect to, like, tablets and phones. And then they, uh, I mean, motion control is the one that's the easiest to see. Yeah, motion control, did they motion. did, uh, I mean, they did definitely, like, leave a wake on everyone. Where there's motion control involved in pretty much everything still, like, the there's motion, motion control on, like, the PS4 controller and, like, you know, the Kinect and all that stuff. So it did it did kind of, you know, become a, become a thing. It's not really there as much, but it is still presence present but in you, a lot of the controllers but you think that stuff came out you know it came out way after the wii was released but they were able to start developing it earlier by seeing the so maybe that's kind of what miyamoto is saying like they'll get that extra development time before it's released by nintendo to release something similar right afterwards or maybe even before sure probably not before at this point i think it's yeah 
Oh, well, they've always been like that. They think, you know, keep their cards close to their chest because they're afraid that everyone's going to take everything. So, you know, they've always been, they've been very secretive. They seem to be a little bit less secretive, I guess. Like they've gotten a little bit better, but still it's kind of like only time will tell. You got to think talking to a room of investors or whatever, though, like they like to hear that as a reason why the NX wasn't shown, you know, because they're probably like, well, let's build up hype for the NX so that more people buy it. Nintendo's like, well, we're actually protecting you, the investors, by not showing it. Sure. I mean, that's, yeah, that's their explanation for it. I mean, that's that's all I really gathered from the meeting. I mean, did you hear anything else from that, from the financial thing? Or at least I guess that's all of... They were talking about movies a little bit, too, with uh, Miyamoto. Not much other than he just said, like, you made a joke about there, like, if anyone besides Miyamoto is interested in making movies, blah, blah, blah. And then when he responded, like, I'm Miyamoto and I'm interested in making movies. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And then he just kind of talked about how the uh, IPs had to be handled perfectly, but how they needed to be in movies to make them more popular, I guess. If they could do some sort of, like, connected universe thing like Marvel, I'm totally in. That'd be really cool. We get we get after credit stuff with like Mario hanging out with Samus or whatever. That'd be that'd be interesting. And then they have a Smash Brothers movie where they all come together. They seem to make a Captain N movie. Yeah. Captain you can bring anybody in and it'll make sense. Yeah, that'd be interesting. You could put Mother Brain in there even. And yep. like and like Mega Man with the wrong color and all that. Was it cat wasn't Mega Man like green in that and he like talked like an old man? Yeah, he kinda of talked <laughs> He made weird sounds and stuff. No, wait, no, I'm thinking of Pit. He was well, also Game- kind of... Well, well, Pit was called Kid Icarus, though. He wasn't yeah, he even was. called Pit. And uh, Game Boy was in there, too. I remember that. And he was just a giant Game Boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a, there, there's a... There's a show we could get into at some point. That was, they could that was have... Some weird, had some weird stuff. 2DS. They could have... The Wii, the Wii U gamepad could be a character. Yeah, it, it could. <laughs> the Wave Bird could show up and save everyone at one point. Did you ever watch... Uh, IGN, like, made this video, like, when uh, the PlayStation... When the PSP came out, they made this video of, like, a... It's, like, sort of a stop-motion kind of thing. Or it's just, like, you know, with where, they where like, the DS would talk to the PSP, and they were, like, two different characters. Did you ever watch any of those videos? I kind of remember that. Yeah, it was, like, right, it was like right around the time when, uh, when PSP and the... Yeah, it was, like... Uh, Anyway, there were there was a couple of videos like that that I used to watch. I remember where like they were all they're all characters, and it reminds it reminds me of that. More news aside from that, did you hear that Aonuma said that he was thinking about making a multiplayer Zelda, like another one after after this game? Did you catch that after uh, Breath of the Wild? No, I didn't. Like a a three D multiplayer Zelda or just a multiplayer Zelda? Well, this is what he said. Uh, this is his quote. He says, "I would like to take what I learned from Breath of the Wild and see if we can somehow fuse those learning points into another multiplayer Zelda. For example." with Triforce Heroes, which followed a similar format of Four Swords, there was a multiplayer involved in that game. So he's basically like, after developing this game, he's like, oh, maybe we should try to do a 3D one. So yeah, I guess that would be an idea for the next... That would be cool. They should do some sort of... I mean, I would love to see him do another online thing like Triforce Heroes, but 3D, that could be be really cool. Well, I did see this, I don't think you mentioned this, uh, Takahashi said during the meeting uh they were talking about reusing assets from breath of the wild because so many people are being used to develop it so much is being put into it that they could use assets from that game like the engine and you know other stuff to like make other games so that's an example of something that could be made with the same engine possibly oh sure open world zelda they could also make like handheld titles using specific elements from the game i don't know i was just reading a little bit about it uh earlier and i just remembered reading sure uh, on a comment thread about people saying well you know you could just have a whole mini game based around shrines or something i don't know like 
Yeah. Well, you could use, I mean, I'm sure you could, you know, you could use the engine for like a Mario game or something like that, I'm sure. But it'd be cool to see a multiplayer game come out of it after. I'd be down for that, you know, like some sort of online thing, hopefully with voice chat, but <laughs> we probably won't get there. Who knows? Didn't, didn't they, they use the same engine for Ocarina of Time to make like Majora's Mask, right? I mean, wasn't that pretty much, you, you saw some of the same models and stuff in both games. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, for and sure. That was one way they were able to push that game out so quick. So I think that's kind of what they're resourcing or what they're, whatever they're, 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 they're saying like, yeah, we're using resources to, to push games out quicker for this next console. Sure. I mean, that makes sense. I mean, yeah, that's basically what Majora's Mask was because they're like, can you, you know, can you turn this around in a, in a couple of years? And I think they were originally going to try to like release like Master Quest type, type stuff, but they decided to make it into a completely different different game. But yeah, same sort of thing, like same engine, the same polygons, same characters, but in, as different people. That's why it was part of why it was so different. Yeah. That's, I mean, I'd be interested to see more stuff like that for sure. Did you see that uh, there's a U.S. trademark for Breath of the Wild NX that says video game cartridges on it? That was so kind of a, a trademark big thing. that says that it's going to be on a cartridge. It's basically like, yeah, it's basically like a listing. So it says, like, it shows a, a couple of them. It's like Breath of the Wild Wii U, and it says, like, video game discs at the end, and then it says, like, Kirby Robobot, like, video game cartridges at the end. And then there's, like, a listing that somebody found for the Zelda NX, and it says video game cartridges at the end of it. And it's just, like, a little info thing for, like, GameStop or whatever that just kind of, like, has some codes in it or whatever, and it's just... And it, but at the end it says video game cartridges. So everybody's like, oh my god, it's real. I just hope if, uh, I just hope if it's, if that's true that, that you get to put cartridges into the controller and not the system. So you could just, so you don't gotta get up anymore. You could just sit down and just put it right into the controller. You got, you don't gotta get up and touch the system. That's the, that's the future for me. That's what I want from, from NX is a cartridge port on the controller. Yeah, man. Just like great. the port on the bottom of the N64 controller. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. Pop it in. Have a like pile the, of cartridges sitting on your coffee table and just cycle yeah. through. Well, you get like a wallet, like a game wallet, and just take it out of there and just put it in the controller. My idea, this probably isn't what the NX is, but this is what I think would be super cool, is like what you, whatever you plug into the TV, like the HDMI, that's just like a receiver, and the actual system is a handheld. So it works kind of the opposite way of the way the Wii U works. Where the Wii U system sends a signal to the to the controller, you know, and then if you're out of range, the controller doesn't work. This is like the other way around, like where the the whole thing is in the control. The controller's the system, but when you're close enough to the receiver that sends to the TV, then you can play it on the TV. But if you're far enough away, it'll just play on the controller. That's my idea for NX. <laughs> what I was That's thinking idea. would be a cool idea. I was like, yeah, because then it'll just be like, if you want to play by the TV, you can, and all you got to do is just turn on the, turn on that receiver, or maybe that receiver's on all the time, and it just only, or it turns itself on when you buy it, and then you can play on the TV. But then you could just like leave, and it would just disconnect, but still be on the controller. That's what I would do. That's, I mean, that, I think that would be pretty dope. I mean, I haven't seen anything. I haven't seen any of like the patents that look like that, but that's what I would think of that would be a cool way to have a system that was both a handheld and a, and a console. I think that would work well for a lot of things, but I don't know. You still want something that's drawing power directly from like, the wall to sure. power like your, your games that are more graphic intensive. Yeah. I mean, bigger. you would need, I'm, I'm sure like having it, I'm sure like having a wireless signal to the TV like that would give some sort of crazy delay in there as well. But I'm just talking future here, you know, like I don't even know if this can work really. Right. <laughs> you know, I don't think it actually can, but. You have like a nuclear powered console that yeah. you just charge up once and it's charged for the rest of time. I'm just saying in my, in my mind, if, if this was possible, I think it would be a really cool thing to do. But I don't well, even know. I, if, I don't I even know if it is. I think that's definitely like the handheld connecting to a device that's connected to the TV. I think that's, I think that's something that is 
highly possible. In it's what a, NX is. It's what I'd like to see. I mean, I think, but I, I just think don't think cool. that'll be everything. I think that'll be the. I don't think all games will work on it, but I also think you'll download the game to the handheld from like the main device. Yeah, you know, maybe maybe out on it once or something along those lines. Yeah, I mean, if that ends up being if that ends up being what it is, I mean, there's still there still hasn't been any sort of. I mean, there's no proof of anything, but nope. there hasn't been a whole lot to the whole like. Unification thing, you know, the whole like handheld plus console thing. Nobody's really, there hasn't really been any sort of thing about that lately. That was all just rumor still. I mean, it makes sense because both of them are kind of in their twilight years. The Wii U and the 3DS, but there's no, there's been no like no, no sort of mention of that, of it being, of being both. So it would make sense though. It would make sense, but it's, there's still no actual, I mean, there's really not any actual thing about anything but i saw uh, i saw warner brothers talked about nx did you see that they were they said that they'd uh they'll support it to a point or whatever I, I, I read that they said we have great relationships with all the console platforms we believe we play a role in each of them what i saw with the announcements that were made at e3 2016 i'm fairly bullish about the console cycle about gamers spending time on them and finding great content about publishers being able to find returns on increasing investments in that space. We're constantly deciding how to navigate that, but supporting the NX is not a question for us, is what they said. So, I mean, they've always, you know, I've, I figured that Batman Arkham Knight will come out there, come out on it when it comes out or whatever yeah. else. Maybe Injustice <laughs> 2 will be on there. That'd be cool. I mean, Justice 1 was on was on Wii U. You know, like, I expect, like, a couple, you know, that doesn't really mean a whole lot. I mean, they're basically like, yeah, we'll put whatever, you know, we'll put some stuff on there at launch and see what happens. You know, yeah. So. Put a, a one or two year old game on there and see. How <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll see if anybody wants to see the see the definitive version of Arkham Knight NX or whatever it's called. Batman Inkst. <laughs> and the and the most important piece of news, I think, is that the the Devil's Third has has gone down fifty percent on the eShop now. If you're itching to play that weird game about that guy who has magical tattoos, it's only thirty bucks now. <laughs> just getting it's getting closer i don't know if i don't know if it's worth 30 yet but it's getting it has internet there. play so it's you know it's worth it for the long run i'll have all that replayability well until the end of the year <laughs> they're, they're dropping the internet also at the end of 2016 but there's a lot of there's a lot of months left you know we still got a half a year to play online yeah. i don't know i thought that's why i was thinking like when it was dropped i was like mm, maybe i should get it now so i can play it i mean with the way i play things online i'll basically play like i'll play it online for maybe a week and then probably never play it again <laughs> you know, I don't really do much. I really, yeah, I really don't do much online stuff. I think the most online I ever did was Splatoon, but that was, you know, that was because everything kept constantly changing on that, and they kept adding things. But even but that, I haven't. Online <laughs> Mario Kart. That was about it. Yeah, I did Mario Kart, but I didn't play. Like I played Splatoon more than anything else online, just because of the way it was set up. It worked. I feel like it worked better than any of the other online stuff. Because it was designed for that, you know, it has like the rotating levels and they kept adding new weapons and levels and modes and stuff like that. So it was actually, it gave a reason to keep coming back to it. So I think that's, I think that's all the news I had for this week. Is there anything that I, that I missed on that that you, that you could remember? Before we forget it, Super Mario RPG comes out on a virtual console for Wii U. That's, that's news that, I, that we need to mention. It's pretty awesome. I've been, I've been, I know I've talked about it before, but I've been waiting for that for a long time. Yeah, this game actually links to another game we're talking about today. Kind of coincidental. Well, yeah, and uh, with well, with like uh, what I was thinking was like with Super Paper Mario coming out like a couple weeks before, and now a Super Mario RPG coming out. Does that mean that like Bowser's Inside Story like will be out in a couple weeks? If it if it is, then then all of them will be accessible except for Thousand Year Door, of course, which there's not really a way to make that 
digitally available yet. But I, I did see it to be a remake. Yeah, I did say uh, I did see in an interview with the lady who worked on the new one that uh, somebody at E three asked her about it, and she was like, "Would would you play an HD version of it?" And they're like, "Yeah, of course." Would she's like, "Would you buy one?" Because if you would, then we'll make it. Which I wonder if that was like sort of a candid, like, you know, thing like, oh, we will re- release it. It kind of, but yeah, she did kind of mention it about the, because in an interview they asked her about that in your door. There was like, they, she was talking about possibly making an HD version of it. So that'd be very cool. And you'd totally get a hold of her directly and she'll send you one, it sounds like. She was just asking if he wanted one. <laughs> well, so they want. Just, like, Email or she'll send you a copy. But the way she was like, well, would you buy that if we made it? Kind of seemed, seemed a little candid. Maybe they did have thoughts of remaking it. I really wish they would do... They have so many games that they could do HD stuff. Of. I wish it wasn't just Zelda. You know, like, there's so many, like, great Nintendo things that could get HD remakes. I know people want, like, Super Mario Sunshine, which, that's kind of a controller thing. It was based around the GameCube controller, so you can't really do that. But there's other stuff that could be that could be remade. You know, like Super Mario Sunshine for sure, or not Sunshine, Super Mario <laughs> Galaxy One and Two could get HD remakes. That would be really cool. That would like, be cool. You know, except they've already released them on the eShop. They did. They didn't. They didn't release Twilight Princess Wii on the eShop, but that doesn't mean. I mean, they, they've released multiple versions of like Mario Three. You know, they have they have Mario Three, the NES one, and Mario Three, the Game Boy Advance one. Same as Mario World. You're right. And also like Super Mario Sixty Four. Like in Japan, you can get Super Mario Sixty Four and Sixty Four. And Super Mario 64 DS on Wii U. You can get both of them. So <laughs> it's, you know, they've done it before. Released like multiple versions of one thing. So it wouldn't really surprise me to do. And if an HD one, they can, you know, throw an Amiibo in there, charge more. It'd be fine. I'm excited to play Super Mario RPG. We did an episode on that a ways back. If you haven't heard it, you can go back and catch it. I don't remember what number it was. Probably like cheap. 10 or 12 or something. But I already bought Super Mario RPG for the Wii, so I can buy it for like a dollar. So I'm totally going to get it tomorrow. Yeah, me too. Super excited about it. But yeah, I'm holding, I'm hoping for that Bowser's Inside Story. I'm sure we, yeah, I mentioned Super Paper Mario came out for $20, which is more than you can get it used, but I'll probably <laughs> still end up, I'll probably still end up getting it because, I don't know, because, because <laughs> it's easier, it'd be easier for me to play it like through the virtual, through the virtual console than play it off Wii just because my Wii U's dumb like that and it has a hard time switching to Wii mode. But yeah. Switch controllers. But anyway, I think that's, that's the news. That's our Nintendo news for this week. Now let's get to the let's get to the topic of what we what have we been playing. You said you've been playing sixty four stuff. Is there anything else that you wanted to mention aside from uh, Perfect Dark? See, Perfect Dark. Oh, I've been playing uh, the original Tony Hawk. Yeah, Tony Hawk. Uh, we should do. Uh, I would totally do a Tony Hawk episode in the future. Okay. I used to. Um, that would actually. I might do that. Well, maybe you know, maybe the DJ Deco Scrub, the guy who does the WART radio, he might do some stuff involving Tony Hawk. Maybe do some of the stuff like the bands or the songs from I the saw soundtrack. Something on line a day that he landed at nine hundred. He's like forty eight now, I think. Oh, uh, Tony Hawk, he's still landing nine hundreds. He's still landing nine hundreds. He's not landing nine hundreds in the video game department. <laughs> I guess that uh, what was it? Tony Hawk Ride was that the last one he made? Oh no, there was five. There's been Tony, more. Tony Hawk Five, which like totally tanked. The one that where like the update was. We talked about it in a previous episode, but the one where the update was a. Uh, larger than the actual size of the game (laughs) (laughs) it was like twice the size of it old tony hawk but yeah that first tony hawk was pretty fun but yeah those soundtracks were always cool yeah that's uh definitely been having some flashbacks to college playing it in the dorm because we played a lot of the horse we'd use different words but we played horse horse was great yeah that was that was always that was always a fun one i've been playing tokyo mirage sessions it came out came out last week and i bought it and it's and it's a lot of fun been doing that it's another it's another solid rpg for the lineup which is which is pretty great. Like that's uh, I think it's I think it's good. 
I've been I've been digging it. Is it pretty story heavy? Does it seem to be? Um, it's I mean, the, not really. I don't think. I mean, there's not like any like super long cutscenes that you have to sit through or anything like that. It's no like Metal Gear Solid, if that's what you're asking. But it's it, basically it's like kind a, of a Sony game, right? So it's got like a lot of character development, maybe. Well, uh, I mean, it's also a Fire Emblem game, which Fire Emblem also has a lot of character development. So it's kind of both ways. It basically the game basically starts off with this with one of the main characters. I should have. I think her name's like Shu Shubasha. If if I something like that, I I honestly can't can't remember it right now. But the female, the main female character, it's something like Shubasha. If I got it wrong, send me hate mail or something so we can get some sort of mail for the podcast. But uh, it starts off with her. It shows her as a kid. She witnessed her sister in this sort of rock opera sort of thing, which actually looks like they're 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 basically telling the story of Fire Emblem. Like they're dressed up like Fire Emblem characters. This is all this is all like anime. You know, it's all FMV anime stuff. She's watching this opera with her sister singing, her older sister. And then all of a sudden, her sister and the guy that she's acting with disappears. And, like, everyone else in the play disappears. And this is, like, an event that happens where, like, 100 people disappear, no explanation whatsoever. That's the way the game starts, which is is pretty cool. And then you meet her later. Like, she's, you know, she's trying out to be a pop idol or whatever. She's trying to meet up with her friends. As she's trying, when she goes to the tryout, Turns out that the guy who's holding the auditions knows her sister, has her soul in this other realm, and is possessed by this fire emblem bad guy. And as as they go into this other world, she basically gets abducted and pulled into this other dimension where the mirages are, as they call them. And uh, she gets she gets pulled in there. The dude, the main guy, Itsuki, I think is his name. He gets he goes into the alternate world looking for her, and he gets attacked by these robed guys that kind of look like the mages from Fire Emblem. Anyway, he gets attacked by one of them. This orb comes out of him, which is her his performa, is what they call it. It's the essence of his his self and uh, and whatever his performances. Anyway, he takes this he takes this ball and sticks it into the mage, and the mage turns into Chrome from from uh, Fire Emblem Awakening, and that becomes his like spirit animal, pretty much. And uh, he uses him to fight the other creatures in the Mirage world. She does the same thing. She finds uh, Kata. It's it's but it's mostly characters from Fire Emblem Awakening, which is pretty cool because I'm more familiar with that than Fire Emblem Fates, but. That's basically how it happens. Everybody has a different character that's like their buddy. And um, you can make different weapons, like, based on what characters you can counter. And there's, like, a, you know, there's, like, a weapon triangle like the Fire Emblem series. And also, same thing with, like, magic as well. So, and everybody kind of levels up, like, Fire Emblem also. Like, it'll play little Fire Emblem stuff. Like, when you level up, it goes, like, dun 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 Like, the same sound from that. And it has the same stats, like, from those games. So, you know, you'll you'll, like, get more... HP and MP and like strength and whatnot and all that. And the only, and, and, and like Fire Emblem, there's no like, there's no new, like, new armor that you can buy or anything like that. It all, all your upgrades are like through your character leveling up. The only new weapons that you get are the weapons that you get from fighting these different characters and collecting different stuff to create new weapons, which is from Fire Emblem also. But it's like total, it's like full on turn based. It's like a straight up Japanese RPG turn based game so if you like those type of games i mean i totally recommend it it's like the game it's rpg that i'm always looking for it, it has it reminds me a little bit of like paper mario even a little little xenoblade in there i guess it just seems like it has a lot of a lot of classic rpgs kind of rolled into it does it have any sort of a musical element to it or is it just kind of like that that's a backdrop for one of the characters uh, i mean yeah that's the yeah that one character is is a is like a singer and there are like some concert stuff. Like I got to the part where this famous musician that they know 
new. She does a show in the middle of Shibuya. And this is all like chapter one, so I'm not really going to get into any spoiler stuff, really, I don't think. But like there's... She goes to put on a show, you know, like the basically dark clouds like come over it, like she disappears, like everybody turns into zombies. They kind of, oh, you have to go to this Mirage world to solve that. So it kind of goes like that. But it shows like her performance before that. And you're, uh, the, the Shubasha, she, uh, she, she ends up, she ends up learning how to sing a certain song that brings her sister out of her Mirage coma or whatever. You find her later and she becomes part of the, part of the group. So yeah, they do stuff like that where it is kind of based around performances. And I guess like each of your, whenever it's in the battle mode, it shows like a crowd around you, like watching you and all that and cheering for you. So, and the, and the sessions that you do are basically combos where you can have like, if you do one move to one guy and, and the other two people attack him as well, that's, that, that's like multiple sessions. So oh, okay. That's supposed to be like your performance, but they don't yeah. like, uh, yeah, it's kind of, which that's a little, little paper, paper Mario thousand year door in there too, I guess, you know, with like the audience watching you. But yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's kind of based around like, and he has an agent, you know, that like basically tells him what to do. And you have to go, like, I guess you can choose different things. Like I chose to not be an idol with the main character. I was going to try to go for the more acting area. But yeah, you do have to go, go to classes and stuff and learn other shit, like on the side of the Mirage fighting. And it's basically kind of that mixed with like side quests and dungeons that you go to. But it's cool for like old school, you know, old school turn-based RPG stuff, which, which I like. And I don't think the, and I don't think the Japanese-ness is, is like too, it's not as like confusing as I thought it would be. Like I actually understand what's going on. It's not super weird. I mean, it's, you know, if you gotta be into like Japanese culture and the whole pop idol thing, I guess, but I don't think it's like overwhelming or anything like that. I've been able to follow it pretty easily and I, th- and I think it's interesting for what it is. I think it looks really cool. Like I like the animation and the and the, like the the FMBs that are in there and all that. Are there going to be a lot of FMBs like throughout the whole thing, the anime stuff? I mean, there's little bits. Like it's not. I mean, from I put I probably played it for like six or seven hours, and I've only seen like maybe three. I think so. It's not. It's not. It's not like overbearing in any way. They just do some cut, some little cutscenes in there, which I think are cool. Like I, I enjoy them. And it's and it's def and it's hard. It's a hard game. Like it's definitely not like you know super easy. Like I've I probably I got killed I got killed a couple times and and if you get killed you get killed so you got to save like constantly like if you get killed it's like you're done and you go back to whenever you saved last so you know don't fuck around <laughs> basically how it is like they even tell you when the game starts they're like save a lot because yeah they're like save as often as you can and there's like in that first dungeon that I was in there are these like uh, there's like these black mages that are that are flying around that are like way more powerful than anybody else. And if you run into them, they fucking kill you. They will like kill you in a couple hits. So like you got to be careful. You like you and and everything you can see like there's it's no, there's no random battles, so that's good. And you can see the you can see the characters coming at you, and you can actually attack them too. Like kind of like 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 another reason it reminds me of like Paper Mario. You have a sword and you can knock them down. And if you knock them down and then attack them, you get like the first attack. You know, you get to start it off. So they have stuff like that. And if they sneak up on you, they attack you before. Like, so it's kind of like a little bit of Paper Mario, a little bit of Earthbound type, you know, as to where you approach them from what side and all that. But it's possible. Yeah, it's possible to run into guys who are super, who are like way, you know, way too powerful for you that you need to just try to run away from there and hope you don't get killed. That's basically what I did. But yeah, it can get pretty rough. There's been some cool, I've, I've, there's some pretty interesting bosses that I've so far yeah it's it's fun i enjoy it there's definitely a gameplay mechanic in xenoblade uh, avoiding like certain bad guys you knew were just gonna decimate you 
Oh, sure. But Xenoblade, the Xenoblade, you can die and then you're okay. Like, it's not, yeah. it's not like, uh, you know, you wouldn't like the game when there was no game over. You know, it wouldn't just go straight to the title, like when all your characters would get killed, right? But you'd still usually want to reload your save because you had lost all your stuff. Yeah. Use any of your stuff or like if you wanted to like not have all that fuel wasted. Well, yeah. Backs. I mean, it, it does become a thing like when you get to like the scales because yeah. when you do, when you lose scales, they're really fuck expensive to, to re, you know, to, to basically get fixed. So I remember that being a huge thing where you'd have to like go back to, you know, where you were and save that. So, but it's, it's fun. I, I recommend it. I mean, I, you should definitely check it out if you're looking to play a, looking to, looking to play an RPG or if you like Xenoblade Chronicles. I don't think it's as like crazy. It's like obviously not as crazy huge as Xenoblade. Blade Chronicles X, but it's different. You know, it's more of a it's more of a traditional RPG, but it's fun. I like it, and it's all based. You know, if you like Japanese stuff, it's all based in like Tokyo and Shibuya and all that. So you don't actually you kind of like just jump from one part to another with a map. That's you don't actually get to run from one area to another, but you do get to kind of run through downtown Shibuya, like go from one thing to another. And you can buy, you know, you you can buy like uh, you can go to like marts and buy like power ups and stuff like that. So you can you can earn yen from your fights or whatever. But yeah, I've 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 been having fun with it. It's been cool. I'm hoping to hoping to play more of it. But yeah, I just finished the first part, so I got a got a couple couple characters and did uh, did a couple side quests. So I guess some supposedly some stuff was edited for the Western release, right? Well, as as it normally is. Yeah, I did I did see that that they uh, they censored some stuff as they normally do. And I yeah, some guy was like uh, that. He said he liked the new outfits and that the other outfits were edited but the same thing happened with xenoblade are people throwing a fit about this too gonna try to get somebody fired i think i just i just saw that somebody like made a patch where you could uh <laughs> restore it to the way it was oh sure yeah i did see that but you right, had the thing like whole... oh i heard that there was some dlc that was available in japan that is the that isn't available here that you couldn't use with that patch but you could do everything else like I, I remember reading something about that. I doubt it's anything. It's just probably cosmetic stuff that doesn't change the game at all. Yeah, it's probably just some weird super. It's probably like I mean, the game's already like the characters are fairly you know they're they're scantily clad at times and they're you know they got the weird booby bounce and all that, that that you would expect from like a anime type thing. And whenever whenever a female character is introduced, it kind of like goes up and stops their boobs for a second and then goes to their head, <laughs> which is weird too. So they left that in there, but is that uh, is the main character looking at them? I, I guess I don't, I don't know. It's just weird. Like it's like goes it like goes from their feet to like their boobs and stops, and then it goes up to their head. And it, and it's like one of the like the the manager her boobs just kind of like move on their own, you know, kind of like that character from Super Mario RPG, uh, Valentina, yeah. her name. <laughs> Every time you'd hit her, she'd like, get real jiggly. Yeah, same thing. It's cool. It's worth worth checking out. I, I recommend it if you like RPGs. To uh, do you want to take a break before we get into our topic of the week? Yeah, break time. All right, let's do that.
So because of the release of Tokyo Mirage Sessions and it being a, an RPG, we decided to do an episode about, uh, you know, to do, just pick a couple RPGs that are available through Virtual Console for the Nintendo Wii. I think, uh, both the ones that we picked aren't available on Wii U, but we decided to do some, some obscure Virtual Console stuff as a celebration to the release of Tokyo Mirage Sessions. So this week we decided to do, I'm doing Beyond Oasis, which is technically a Sega game. But it is available for Nintendo Wii, and it's a pretty awesome game. So I think it's worth checking out if you haven't, and you're doing... I'm doing the game I always say I want to do a podcast about. I'm doing a Mystic Quest. Yeah, which which we which we actually talked about in the uh, Super Mario RPG episode to a point. Just uh, it's all coming full circle. Yeah, it's coming full circle. Um, I'm not necessarily a fan of uh, of Mystic Quest. I think that we might have talked about that before, just because I came into it in a different time. But I think the development story of it is pretty interesting, and just like kind of the path that it paved for, you know, for the future of RPGs. But I think I said enough about Tokyo Mirage Sessions, so why don't you uh, start off with Mystic Quest? Alright, so Mystic Quest, this game came out in uh, October of 92 in, the, in North America. This was a, a rare game in the sense that it was released here before Japan. It was actually developed by Square in Japan for the North American audience. So this was uh, directed by Kozi Ide. Kozi Ide. I want to make sure I'm saying that right. One of the writers of it was uh, Chihiro Fujioka, who actually directed Super Mario RPG, which is coming to the eShop tomorrow. A much, uh, much better game. Yeah, he was also he's also involved in Alpha Dream, so he's been involved in the Mario and Luigi games. And uh, he's also a member of the Earthbound Papas with Nobuo Uematsu, who does most of the Final Fantasy music. I, I, I didn't say his name. Nobuo Uematsu? Nobo? Or however you pronounce yeah. it. Yeah. Nobuomatsu. Okay. That, that's how I pronounce it. I, did, I don't know if that's the correct way to do it, but that's how I've said it. Yeah, Mystic Quest, I mean, it was... It wasn't it wasn't it kind of a way to uh, get Americans to understand RPGs also I believe kind of sort of in the same way of Dragon Warrior yeah but not, so but was, not for free you know <laughs> right this was kind of another attempt by them to by Square to build an interest for RPGs and maybe they were even thinking like let's let's get to the kids so they care about RPGs in the next couple of years they learn how they work but uh, they were really trying to like get more RPGs into the market which I mean both of us were playing. RPGs back then, but I guess they hadn't really taken off quite to the level that Square was wanting. Sure, well, I, they'd I, already released Final Fantasy IV at this point. It was released here as Final Fantasy II in 1991. Super Nintendo. Yeah, I guess I, I think I think wasn't it uh, some of the reason that Mystic Quest was released was because of uh, it was because of the poor sales of Final Fantasy II. I think it yeah. had something to do with that because it didn't it didn't perform as well as they thought it would because it like killed in Japan and like you know same like I mean I guess that could be that could be said for like the Dragon Quest series like that ga- that series never really picked up here either so it's kind of like yeah similarly uh, it took uh, they had uh, made Final Fantasy four easier for the North American audience so they'd already kind of done that a little bit or yeah. but this time they just like pumped it up all the way they were like we're just gonna make this game real easy yeah <laughs> what just yeah play it for them and it literally plays it for you halfway if you want it to oh yeah because you have a because you have a help you have a helper right is that's controlled by the computer or, or do you could or do you control them i don't remember it's been, it's you been can a long cycle, time you can either have it on auto or manual oh okay i i have uh, my nintendo power that has a uh, final fantasy mystic quest in it it's a uh, volume 42 final fantasy mystic quest didn't make the cover but super star wars did but i'm just looking at the article in here about it and there's uh right in the middle it says brown town that's what I keep looking at, which is pretty hilarious. It says, Foresta. It says, Brown Town. At first, the town is dried up, and the people are aged beyond their years. When you free the earth crystal and return to Foresta, you will find it's green and lush like the map to the left, and the people will once again be young. <laughs> but Brown Town. 
Welcome to well, the world's divided into there's four towns in the world of Mystic Quest, and it's uh, Foresta, Aquaria, Fireberg, and Windia. Yeah, it's basically the elements, right, and the different crystals, yeah. which were uh, the crystals they have. Yeah. The crystals were actually created by uh, the guy who's making the Ever Oasis game, which we talked about during the E3 episode. The guy from uh, Grezzo, who uh, did uh, Secret of Mana and created Chocobos and Moogles and the class system for for Final Fantasy. So a little bit bringing it back around to uh, stuff that's still that's that are still people are still working on stuff that were involved with it. They are. What kind of other stuffs in the Nintendo Power does it give? Uh review of the game uh it does give a review of game in the back let's see uh it says uh you know it's just like it says like a fast moving rpg um you know right at the beginning this is the opening or this is the opening paragraph for this square's latest installment in the final fantasy series mystic quest is a role-playing game for the masses if you've never tried an rpg or if you think rpgs are too complicated and take too long to get into think again and give this one a try Getting started is easy. An old man shows you the ropes, then puts you right into the thick of the adventure. You build levels quickly, and the fast-moving, entertaining dialogue keeps the story interesting. The people you meet tell it like it is, without without beating around the bush. The first person <laughs> you meet tells you to tells you point blank that when four powerful crystals were stolen by monsters, the four seasons were strangely affected, and the world plunged into darkness. You will search the land and destroy monsters until you find and free the four crystals. That's their opening, uh, their opening uh, paragraph. So, yeah, that's I basically say, what, uh, what we were saying. <laughs> yeah, the reference to the old man, um, he's the first character you meet in the game. So your name's, the main character's name is Benjamin by default. I always give him a different name, but... Uh, sure. Yeah, uh, coincidentally, I guess he, not coincidentally, but he is a character in a theater rhythm. Is he? Yeah, I haven't, I haven't played, I haven't played theater I rhythm. But I, but I just wanted to mention that. He meets the old man, but early on you see an animation of, for Benjamin that you're going to see a lot in the game, which is this like <laughs> shrug thing he does with his shoulders. Anytime someone says something to him and then like runs off afterwards, he'll like he'll like turn and face the camera and he'll like break the fourth wall and shrug at you. Oh yeah, he'd be like, I don't and know either. Yeah, he's like, oh, it's me. But he does it a lot. Like it, it's definitely overused kind of annoying off. Yeah. One thing I remember from this game is, uh, aren't you like thrown straight into a battle by the old man like at the very beginning of it? Like I remember that. Yeah. Where, like, all I remember is like somebody's like, blah, 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 fight, and then you're fighting, and then you're fighting again. I'm like, whoa, what's, whoa, what's going on? Cause I, yeah, I there's played, not even a tutorial yeah. that just tells you, you just fight. I played this post Final Fantasy VI because my friend, I mentioned it in another podcast, but my friend Curtis, when he got a, in high school, when he got a 64, he sold all his Super Nintendo games, and he sold them like dirt cheap. He sold them for like 10 bucks. I bought Final Fantasy Mystic Quest, uh, Super Castlevania 4, and Super Punch-Out off of him for like $30. And I wanted Final Fantasy 2, but unfortunately he sold it to somebody else before I got to it. But I went to Mystic Quest after I played 3 slash 6, and you know, that has like such a long opening in it and like long drawn out like development, and this one's like, fight! Like, go do this! And I'm like, whoa! <laughs> it was just like, com- it was like whole other side of the coin for me versus like, like I love 6 so much and I'm like, oh, anything with Final Fantasy's gotta be great. And I, and I played this, I played it the whole way through. It was just like, I was like, man, this game's weird. Like, it's not, it's not like the other ones at all. I don't know. Well, I don't want to say like, I don't want to say it's a terrible game. I think a lot of the reason I like it, like you mentioned earlier, was when I first played it. I I had tried to play Final Fantasy One, and I could beat Garland, and I felt really great when I finally beat him. He's the first boss in the game that I never really got past that. So you know that was the furthest I'd ever got in an RPG. So why did you play Mystic Quest the first time? Well, the first time I ever played it actually was my cousin Rob got it from his school library. Like they had it in his library as they had a few Super Nintendo games you could check out. So he had checked this game out. 
and he didn't really like it, but I would play it when I was at his house, and then I ended up renting it later on. It's just kind of funny, the first time I played it was because someone rented it. Someone else rented it from their library. Oh, sure. That's a, was it, was, could you like keep it indefinitely? Was there a return time or was it just kind of like keep it until whenever? Yeah, you just had to check it out again. They would ask you to check it out again, but I don't think it was on high demand. We didn't have video game cartridges for, for rent at, at my library growing up. So I was, I was not able to rent anything, but that's cool. I'm glad you were yeah. able to play it through that. Yeah, we didn't either, but he went to a different school that had it. Sure. This game, you, you pretty much don't even need to pay attention to anything. You can just keep going because it lets you keep retrying. So uh, I did not know what the heck I was doing when I beat this game the first time. It's that easy. Like, oh, you sure. know, maybe I had started to kind of figure it out a little bit. And I wasn't that young, you know. I was like 11 probably when I was playing through it. So I was old enough to kind of grasp RPGs, but I guess I was too ADD or whatever to like plan out what I was going to do, so I just attack, 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 attack. Oh, sure. You can do that in this game, and if you die, it just asks you if you give up or not. If you don't give up, you can try again. You can, and you can save at any time, too, right? This game pretty much has save states in that regard. You can't save during battle, but you could save after every battle. You could save after every new screen you enter, and then if you say, uh, yes, you give up, if you die in a battle, you go to your previous save. Oh, so that's really nice, too, because it, you'll get all your items back. Oh, cool. So it's, it's real easy. It holds your hand, and... Uh, one thing that I thought was interesting, and I didn't notice until I was... I'm actually playing it on the Source hardware because I have it on the Super Nintendo. But if you just leave it on at the beginning, it like plays demo videos. And they're actually like walkthroughs. I sat down and I watched all of them. And one of them is like seriously like 13 minutes long. Oh, <laughs> and it's it's a whole dungeon. You see a char- the characters go through the entire dungeon to the boss, then they don't fight the boss. Oh, wow. It's pretty, uh, you know, just to, to even like further be like, all right, we're going to show you how to beat this if you don't know how to beat this. So there's like three dungeons or three parts of the game it shows like a walkthrough. One of them's like 13 minutes, one of them's like seven minutes long. The other one's like two or three, so you know. But that, that real long walkthrough, I'm just, I was like, it was blowing my mind watching it like, alright, this is going to end soon, and then it, it didn't end. Like, alright, this demo is going to be like four minutes long, and I just kept looking at the clock, and it seriously went on for like 13 minutes. It was crazy. Oh wow! Yeah, because I, I was gonna say like in Super in Super Metroid they do stuff like that, but it's not like minutes long. It'll show you like a section of the game, and it, like because there's like a part where you use a grappling hook for a long time. They'll show somebody like go through that. Yeah, Super Metroid does something similar to that, where it does like demos where it'll show you like will show Samus like running through a wall, or like it'll show her doing like some of the grappling hook stuff just to kind of give you an idea of how to get to certain things. But it doesn't do like thirteen minute, you know, stuff. I, mean, I guess like some, like I guess Final Fantasy VI would do that if if you left it on long enough, it would play the beginning of the game again. You know, of them like on the cliff talking and like them walking through the credits and all that. It, it would show that if you left it on for a long time. So I don't know games do different things. Yeah, I was just kind of surprised because it was pretty much like a, a YouTube let's play, but it was you know without the annoying yeah. audio commentary. Without but, uh, the commentary. Well, there's <laughs> there's let play let's plays without. Thankfully. Yeah, it was. It's exactly like that. Like it shows them fighting, using different attacks on different enemies for their weaknesses. You could learn a lot watching these demos if you were a kid. Oh sure, so, I, rem- uh, I, I remember when I was in high school. One time we were playing. Uh, what was it? We were playing. Uh, we were playing Turok. We were playing Turok Dinosaur Hunter, the first one. Like, uh, like we had just got it. And we were just kind of like you know alternating back and forth, playing different levels. And uh, we had we had like ordered. We had like gotten dinner. We had just bought like Subway sandwiches. <laughs> 
you know, and I was like, we played enough, let the game play. And then we just put down the controller and just watched the demos of Turok. I remember doing that. But they actually showed you in that particular game, similar thing. They showed you where some secrets were if you watch the demos. Like there's a part where he like walks behind a waterfall and it shows you there's stuff back there. So, you know, there's, there's other games did that as well. Just not for 13 minutes, just for like, you know, just for like 30 seconds or a minute or whatever. If even that one, one thing I thought was weird about this game is that, uh, that they took the, the map, the world map away, you know, so you can't really, I guess that's to rest- to keep you from walking into areas that'll kill you. Right. Pretty much. Yeah. It's just like, uh, I would describe it as being almost like Mario world because you're like an over, it's an overhead view and you're kind of moving from dot to dot, like a straight line. And uh, there's like little spots where you can do battles and win things. And basically you'll play 10 battles in a row or you can play however many you want, save and come back to it later. But it'll be like sometimes they'll increase in difficulty and there'll be like a mini boss at the end. But that's how you win some of the armor and some of the I think maybe a couple of the spells are from those. And then like, yeah, so in this game, like magic, you don't really learn magic. You just find the spells and treasure chests. It never really explains it or anything. You just find them. <laughs> yeah. Well, was it was it the inspiration for uh, Final Fantasy VIII then? Because that's how that game was, where you just find a like you never. Well, I act, saw like it was kind of magic. a. You use items, it was also kind of a callback, right, a callback to the first Final Fantasy, which is like that. You buy the spells. And oh, you, you buy the spells from town, right? Spells. Yeah. So yeah, it that. actually is kind of like that to a certain extent because you have a you have three categories of spells. You have white magic, black magic, and then uh, wizard magic, and then you get a certain number of casts for each category, so you can use whichever spells you want. Oh, okay. You have to either uh, sleep at a an inn or use a seed to get your spells. But there's not an MP level or an, a, no, it's just a number of casts for each category. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's kind of simple. That's simplifying that as well. Is are there are there HP points in this? There are, but and you'll see them if you look in your. Uh, sub menu but on the battle screen it displays it as like almost like super metroid like you've got a bunch of boxes and then like a, a, a meter it's not a number but it's just like a meter oh okay and then when that runs out like one of your big boxes disappears and each box represents like 100 hit points i think maybe oh okay something like that or yeah, 10 like or i don't e-tanks or whatever yeah but as you get more like you get more of the big boxes and they start to shrink because there's less space for them, you know. Like so, it, it, it just visually depicts it differently, but it's pretty easy to figure out. You know, well, my big tanks are almost out, so I should heal myself. There's no like specific items for like different status effects. Like most Final Fantasies, there's like you know soft to cure, petrify, or like antidote for poison. You know, different things like that. On this, it's just heal, heal, heal heals everything but death oh okay yeah and you only and you only get two characters to control right it's just you and one other person like it's never up to four or five or anything like that yeah and one character will always drop out for some random reason usually you'll shrug about it yeah. <laughs> of course. And, then, and then another character will join you right afterwards yeah. a lot of times that other character will just like run right up and be like oh hey since they left i'll help you oh, it'll yeah. like show up out of nowhere so <laughs> there's not a whole lot of like like it said in the nintendo power article they do say it like it is they'll be like no beating around the bush go, you should go to the volcano and get the fire crystal and then that opens it up on the map and oh you sure just go there and do it. Yeah, and then you just go you don't have to like find it is it uh, this was a wasn't this the same team who did the uh game boy final fantasies right final fantasy adventure yeah and that? uh I was doing when I was doing my research. It said a lot of that. Maybe they didn't reuse the assets, but the sprites are pretty much the same in this as they were in a Final Fantasy Legend Three on the Game Boy. Yeah, from what I heard, they kind of just like made because those because those games were were uh, 
kind of dumbed down as well because they're portable. You know, they yeah. weren't they weren't as like complicated as the other Final Fantasies. So they kind of just took what they were already doing and basically, you know, added color to it. You know, gave it a better color palette, made it a little, made it look a little bit better. You know, than on the Game Boy. But it's very similar, and it's got kind of like action RPG elements to it. So one thing, you, there's no random battles in this game. You see all the enemies. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. They're just standing stationary and blocking the path you need to go in. So you have to, you have to tear through them. the enemies. Yeah, you can't jump over them, but you can jump. And there oh, are yeah. some like wow. platforming puzzles. Oh yeah, some, and like, he has a, Doesn't the main dude have a hook shot too? Yeah, and I just got the hook shot. You don't get the hook shot till pretty late in the game, but. Uh, once you get that, it's pretty cool. You can zip around a little bit. Because I think I saw, I either saw the hook shot. I think I saw it in the Nintendo Power article. Maybe not. Or either that or online. Did you, uh, I mean, the Nintendo Power just basically shows you like some maps of uh, a couple things. Shows so it shows you maps of the bro- of the Bone Dungeon, the Wintry Cave, and I think that's like it. It shows you like the overhead of the world, and it tells you about a uh, Squidite and the uh, Flamorous Rex. Which I'm sure you beat those guys. Did yeah, you, the the Bone Dungeon is the first dungeon you fight. Did you squish the Squidite? That's what it says. <laughs> I squished the fuck out of the Squidite. Yeah, if I remember, the one thing I thought that was kind of cool is like when you're fighting the bosses, they sort of like fall apart. They like their bodies change depending on like how much damage you've done on them. I remember that. I thought that was kind of neat for what it was you know like how they kind of fall apart like before they die yeah and the big boss they, yeah all the all the enemies do that they all show like damage as you defeat them so they've all got kind of like the normal enemies will have like two or three levels of damage before you kill them and then like the boss will have like five or six on. and like i was fighting a dragon the other night a two-headed dragon and uh, he's a fire boss and uh, you fight him in the volcano but he's like first he loses one of his heads and then he oh, like yeah. turns up looks at you and then he like gets really mad and like opens his mouth and then he like crouches down a little bit and then he's like laying on the ground but there's no actual animation it's just they kind of flash when they're attacking you oh there's sure. still there's still that visual feedback of how much you've hurt them and then if they heal themselves sometimes the they will you know go back to an old like the animation for the sprite before oh okay yeah so you can so like their heads can come back i guess yeah if they heal Which themselves. actually do that. He healed his head back right on. Yeah, it can grow back, right? <laughs> if you have cure. Um, I did want to mention, so the game's really short. That's another thing about it. Like, I haven't beat it yet, but I'm pretty close to the end, and I've put about seven and a half hours in. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, I figured it's like, what is it, like 10 hours, maybe 15 if you take a long time? Probably a 10-hour game. It's like a, I, I remember getting through it pretty quickly. I think I beat it over a weekend or something like that, probably. I don't know. Um, the guy who translated this was... Ted Woolsey. Yeah, Ted Woolsey. I remember him being a fairly famous translator, or he became one, I guess, after this. You I mentioned watched... this, was, this was an easy game to translate because it was so short. Oh, yeah, it was. <laughs> But didn't he? But didn't he end up working on like Final Fantasy VI and like Chrono Trigger and stuff like that? I believe. I thought. I thought he went on to do bigger, better things. Yeah. Which I guess. Uh, I guess because of the way. Because what what I heard was the way how this one how this game was kind of poorly received and complained about as being too too easy. That kind of paved the way for like other RPGs to come out here, like like Final Fantasy VI and Chrono Trigger. I guess they they understood that there was a more of an appetite for the actual. The actual games instead of like dumbed down versions of them. So that's good about it, I guess. But it's, but it's an yeah. interesting, and it's just an, an interesting, you know, just the way it happened, I guess, I think is interesting. The way they developed it and made it specifically for America, you know, kind of like Star Tropics, but much easier, you know, the <laughs> same sort of thing. Just, and also to try to get people as, as obsessed with RPGs as, as the Japanese were. Makes sense. It's just, I, if I would have played it younger, like if I would have played it like, or, you know, like when I played like Dragon Warrior, I probably would have liked it, you know, where like that game was too complicated for 
for me then. But it was more like Mystic Quest. I probably would have gotten into it. I don't know. Yeah, the game, yeah. I didn't even mention earlier, so the game being geared at children specifically uh, was cheaper. It was a $40 game, $39.99. Oh. Yeah, I didn't know that because I didn't pay full price for mine. So And it came with the official strategy guide to beat the whole game. So Oh, nice. Like uh, like Earthbound. <laughs> Yeah, it was it, that was included with it. So I mean, it was all there. Like they wanted to make sure you beat this game if you had it. There's four different scoring things in Nintendo Power about this. There's graphics and sound, play control, challenge, and theme and fun. And Mystic Quest basically got a 3.8 in graphics, 3.8 in uh, play control, a 3.3 in challenge. It scored lower, it scored lower than Battle Clash, and. Uh, and it got a 3.8 in, in theme theme and fun. So it was pretty much a 3.8 out of 5, I guess. A lot of 5. Yeah, that's what, that's what they gave it. It's like there's a not, high C, low B. Yeah, there's not, there's like, unfortunately, there's not even like a little, there's not even a little like article. Because like each, in this one, there's like three different guys that are saying, you know, saying what they what they say about whatever game. There's not even a little paragraph about, about Mystic Quest. And the funny thing is, is that Swamp Thing on Game Boy got a, got a paragraph, but <laughs> Mystic Quest did not. <laughs> And Swamp Thing got like twos <laughs> and everything, <laughs> but they got a little paragraph about it. So I don't know. It's weird. Well, it's weird swamp. the way they cover things. So I guess it got sort of, you know, about fours, I guess, for their rating. But yeah, it didn't really say much. All it said was, you know, what I read you pretty much was just that they're not beating, they're not beating around the bush. They're just telling you how it is. Well, I do want to say one thing to mention about this game that's good about it. The soundtrack's pretty nice. Oh, sure. Uh, I mean, if it's, 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 if it's Nobo Uomatsu, I'm sure it's totally good. It's actually not him, though. It's not? No, it's uh, two people composed it uh ryuji sasai and yasuhiro kawakami that's how his name sounds familiar maybe i've heard of him from somewhere uh, i couldn't find anything on uh the second guy but uh ryuji sasai he worked for square i guess they hired him as kind of a young gun really young when they hired him he had started doing like musical stuff when he was like 15 and like being in bands and stuff oh, nice. i think he company when he's like 18 or something they had him working between 91 and 98 he worked on five games one of them was this one i think he worked on he might have done the, done the legend soundtrack too but uh he uh kind of like he plays a lot of live music nowadays i guess but uh he kind of like disappeared from the public people were like what's this guy been doing and then they found out he'd been making music for pachinko machines oh <laughs> and he was oh. using a pseudonym oh. yeah he was using a pseudonym so people didn't know it was him but that's how he was like continuing to making the money yeah. yeah yeah i was wondering like, i was like how how will can you hear the music from pachinko machines i don't know i've never really played them so well a bigger thing in japan obviously. i've only played them virtually through yakuza games because you can go to pachinko parlors and those is there anything else you'd like to say about mystic quest well it was released in japan after it was released in uh, the u.s and it was released as final fantasy usa mystics so kind of similar to super mario brothers 2 oh yeah being super mario usa that's very similar here i think yeah there was for like any of the ones that i don't think star tropics did that was that ever released in japan i'm sure, not it sure. Was. but yeah they this normally if it's a different american one that'll yeah they'll put the usa on there later it's a interesting interesting thing for the time i guess hopefully now that super mario rpg is on the wii U virtual console maybe we'll get all those square games that are out in japan that aren't out here you know maybe maybe mystic, quest. maybe mystic quest yeah which uh is available on virtual console on the wii but it's you know it's it's for eight dollars maybe it's worth checking out if you want to see a very simplified rpg Right. Yeah, and make sure you have a Wii like classic controller because you can need that to play the Wii virtual. Oh, sure. Or you, well, you can play with the GameCube controller also if you have that. If you're playing it through a Wii and not on your Wii. U. Yeah, if you're playing it through the Wii. But yeah, if it's uh, if you're playing through the Wii U, you need the classic controller for sure. But I think it's they, they tell you whenever it boots up. But that's cool you that can you also have. Find the same 
pretty cheap. I think I paid like 12 bucks for it. Oh, okay. I was going to say, it's cool that you got to play it on the actual system on the Super Nintendo. That's always fun. Thank you, yeah, man. It's yeah. been great. Getting to play, uh, getting to play that. Love that source hardware, man. Yeah. Unfortunately, my Sega Genesis that I have doesn't work, so I was unable to play the Beyond Oasis, the game that I played for for this. I bought it for Wii, for Wii Virtual Console when it came out, and uh, enjoyed enjoyed it a lot. Like I remember when it came out, I was pretty excited because I'd never really gotten to uh, never really got to play much Sega games because I was a I was a Nintendo kid growing up. But this game like has I mean watch like if you get a chance like watch just go on YouTube and watch the intro for it. The animation on it's like spectacular. Like it looks like an anime almost. Like it has a really cool intro. I feel like everything's animated really well. It's a very pretty game. It's probably like one of the prettiest games I think I've seen for Sega Genesis in my opinion. I think I think it looks very cool. It's like top down. It's very much you could say that it has a little bit of inspiration from zelda i guess it came i mean it was post uh it came out in 94 so it was post a link to the past and all that and it's top down there's there's like dungeons that you go to but it's very different like it's a it actually playing through it this time reminded me a lot of the breath of the wild demo believe it or not because you're going through like you're basically killing guys and getting meat you know to eat later you're getting weapons that all your weapons break like none of them are permanent they all have different damage levels that type of thing you uh one thing that's it's kind of like uh Paper Mario sticker star where you level up by finding hearts within the levels that you get from killing bad guys same sort of thing that's how you level up you don't actually get experience point and you find these hearts that will you know give you make you stronger and give you more hit points and they and you don't actually see the hit points it's like a it's like a red bar that goes down but if you pause it shows you like what the number is at and all that but it kind of reminded me of breath of the wild because there's like you find you basically find like some of the creatures like in a fire like hanging around like you know looking at the fire and you can like sabotage their fire which you can do in that also you can also like smack bombs back at them like when they throw stuff at you you can hit them back with your sword which you can do in breath of the wild maybe they got a little bit of inspiration from beyond oasis i don't know it just kind of reminded me of that of that demo believe it or not but on like a much smaller scale and like top down and 16 bit so i see a little bit of this stuff and it kind of reminds me of like a, a little bit of like illusion of gaia yeah it's kind of like, a, like i mean it's it's sort of like secret of man a little bit but it but you don't i mean it's not like there's no meter for like uh like if you hold the button you'll have a stronger hit and there's also some like kind of moves in there like if you hit like forward forward and a button that does a thing or you can do like the you know the circle you can do like the circle swing like you know zelda that has that and there's some other weird like flip moves that i would just do accidentally that i couldn't that i couldn't figure out how to actually do but that are in there as well and if you watch playthroughs of people like i watched somebody playing through it because i got stuck in a stuck in one of the dungeons and i was watching this guy play through it and he wouldn't collect any of the hearts so he went through the whole thing on level one and he was doing like all these crazy flips and stuff and like you know doing different damage doing because there are like different moves you can do in there but it's it's fun you get uh, as you go through the game you unlock four different summons like th- four different creatures that you can call that will like attack enemies for you there's like a water one a fire one darkness one and plant that you can that you can summon what i thought was cool i said it earlier at the beginning of the podcast the fire one is called ifrit which is like 
which is like uh, Ifrit, the the god of fire from Final Fantasy. I always wondering if that was they're spelled different, but it's I always wondered if that was a reference to the other to that game or vice versa or whatever. The water one is Ditto, the darkness one is Shade, of course, and the and the plan is Bow, which basically he just looks like a big like you know uh, feed me Seymour type uh, of, uh, the <laughs> Venus flytrap type thing. You know, <laughs> it looks like a little shop of horrors guy, but he's cool because he stays in like one area and he'll like eat doors for you to help you get to different parts. But you hit there's different button combinations that you can do to make your helpers do different things. So I thought that was like completely different and and set it apart from from Zelda. And also, like I said, there's no like there's really no treasures you get aside from like these creatures. Like these creatures are basically what you unlock as you go through the dungeons. And it's kind of a shorter game i'd say it's like 10 or 15 hours i didn't make it i didn't quite i I, th- I think i made it to the very last boss because i'm in the castle the castle that you that the first place you go to when you start the game the castle where like your father your father and mother are you're your prince their king and queen that gets taken over by the bad guy and uh I'm at that part, so I'm pretty sure that's the end. The game starts off, like the opening cutscene starts off with Prince Ali. His name's Prince Ali. <laughs> he finds this gold. Yeah, it's like, it's sort of, it's supposed to sort of be an Arabian Nights type thing, I guess. He has like the big MC Hammer pants. Well, the, you know, the Arabian Night pants, but I call them MC Hammers because they're the same thing, but, and, uh, but yeah, I guess he's a, I guess he's a, he's basically like a Tomb Raider type thing. He's a, you know, scavenger. The Ali is, and he finds this gold armlet in a cave in the beginning of the game. And he puts it on and the, and the armlet basically tells him that he used to belong to this wizard from long ago. There were these two different amulets that were, they were created. There's a sil- silver amulet that this, this, this villain has. It basically wants you to put a stop to him because he has powers as well. So you're basically searching for this silver amulet guy you see him a couple times later he like kidnaps your family at the end of the at the end of the game but it's very the game's very like it has a map and it shows you like what point to go to from one thing to another so it's kind of hard to get lost there's a couple like uh dungeons that had some stuff that i could figure out but it was like not really super it was just like it was really hard and i was like oh there must be an easier way to get through here but it's a it's a, diff- it's a difficult game like i when i first started playing through the first couple dungeons i was like oh this is this is cool and then all of a sudden i like died constantly i was playing on an emulator just because of uh, booting up the wii on my wii u because I made this mistake of moving all my virtual console games to the Wii U. I should have left them on the Wii because there's so much more on the Wii than the Wii U. Anyway, getting to Wii mode is a pain in the ass for, for me on the Wii U. So I've been playing it through a, through an emulator just you know, just because it's easier for me to be, boot the game up. I ended up, because uh, I kept like not saving by accident after this fucking dragon boss that I was playing last night. That I ended up beating the dragon boss three times before I was able to actually save in the right spot and move on from there. So it's pretty wow. difficult because there's some parts where like if like you're at this in this dungeon and even if you beat the boss and die, it takes you back to the beginning of the dungeon if you haven't saved, which is incredibly annoying. How do you save? Is there, are there save points? Oh, you can save whenever you want, which is pretty cool. You, well, you can save outside in the world map. You can't save in the dungeon, so I guess you can't save all the time. But you can, yeah, you can save outside. So, like when you, but when you die, there's no game over. It'll just take you back to. It'll basically take you back to whatever the last checkpoint was. And in this particular dungeon, the checkpoint is the door of the dungeon. <laughs> so if you die at any point in the, that dungeon without leaving, you go back to the beginning of the dungeon. So save states really help me out for that a lot. Because there's some like there's some platforming in this game because you can jump, but there's some crazy hard black platforming in this because it's all like top down and kind of a little the controls are a little shaky you know so there was some frustrating stuff that i dealt with in that particular dungeon i don't know i still think it's fun i mean i enjoyed playing through it again it's nice like i said it's nice to play it's nice to play a sega game because i never really you know i never really got to play 
too much Sega when I was a kid because you know I was Super Nintendo and I didn't know like my friend Daniel had a Sega but we didn't really know about much about Sega games like we didn't know any of the RPGs because I know we played a lot of Final Fantasy but I wish he would have gotten into like Fantasy Star and all that but we didn't know we didn't know about that at the time but Beyond Oasis would have you know would have totally you know made me think like oh there's there's really cool games on Sega because it's it's a really really pretty game like it's I think it's like I said before it's probably like the prettiest game I've seen for the system yeah I've never played all the way through an RPG on Sega so that'd be kind of a nice little bucket list yeah it was a uh, the, the, a couple of episodes ago we talked about like whether um, Fantasy Star was released or not and apparently there there was a like there's like an Ultimate Sonic Collection CD that came out for PlayStation 3 which has Beyond Oasis and the three Fantasy Star games from Sega Genesis on there it basically has like every good game for Sega Genesis on it so I was wrong about that that is that is on there it's a ps3 so, game yeah it's a playstation 3 game i believe there is one that has a fantasy star on it i don't know when, whenever i get done with playing through dragon quest and tokyo mirage sessions and all that i'd like to play the fantasy star games at least like the because i played fantasy star 4 because that was the one that was considered the best one and that was and i really enjoyed that one i thought it was really good but i like to play fantasy star 1 2 and 3 especially one because one is on sega master system and i like to try that shit out like try some like super old school rpg on the on the master system but yeah i mean it's yeah, I think there's I think there's a lot of there were a lot of good RPGs for Sega Genesis. And it was nice to be able to play it on a Nintendo system finally. And I remember when it came out, like I was I wasn't really working a whole lot and I was broke and I didn't really have anything to do, so I just basically bought Beyond Oasis for like seven bucks and it kept me entertained for like a weekend. So I had like, you know, good good memories about that game. And I and I hadn't thought about it in a while and I'd like to re- and I want to return to it for our RPG episode, so I'm glad I did. And how appropriate that it's a RPG on the virtual console this week. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, it was something that I played on a Nintendo system, even though it's technically not a Nintendo game. It's a Sega game, but it was made. Uh, it was made by a company called Ancient, which only did which worked which worked a little bit. They worked a little bit on the Sonic the Hedgehog. I think on Game Gear, they had a pretty weird set of credits, like from what I saw of what they did. Like they worked on um, they had, like the main the main dude worked on Sonic the Hedgehog for Game Gear. I think he worked on Streets of Rage two, and there was also a sequel to Beyond Oasis for Sega Saturn called Legend of Oasis, which I didn't know about. Which actually, it's actually a prequel to Beyond Oasis. It's the story of the wizard that, you know, the the original guy that hid the armlet or whatever. It's about, it's about him. So I saw that. I, I watched some videos of that. It looks, you know, it looks very similar. It's just better animation. Like characters look better and all that. There's more. There's, uh, it's polygon actually, I think. It looks, it looks polygon. Like it looks like, uh, yeah, it looks like, it looks like low poly, but it was kind of hard to tell from the video that I watched. I'm not familiar. I mean, I never really played the Saturn, so I'm not sure what exactly it could do. I thought it could do some low poly stuff, right? Cause it was because it came out didn't it come out like well like, saturn I mean, it came had out. two uh processors in it because well Sa- saturn did because saturn had like uh nights into dreams right and that was polygon yeah because uh dreamcast came out after that and dreamcast and was Panzer like Dream more saga was polygon was that that was on saturn also right yeah yeah it looked like from what i saw it looked like a uh, top down but you know the characters were polygons you know basically looked the same as the other game but you could tell that they were more detailed and they were animated a lot better and like they they changed up some of the stuff from the i know you can get like some more spells and i think the same i think the same characters are in there like the same like uh the same creatures that you summon are in there i know like i know ditto and efreed are in there yeah it's pretty it's pretty cool like when you have your characters out they'll like fight guys for you too and like the uh the fire monster it's just like the 
this big fire being. It kind of looks like a fire genie, but he's got like big muscles. And if you fight zombies with him, he'll basically just punch the zombies and they turn to dust every time he hits them, which is pretty cool. I thought that, I thought that was fun. But there's a, yeah, there's some interesting stuff in it. It looks it looks like I said it looks very good for a Genesis for a Genesis game. Like especially like the dragon when you fight the dragon, the dragon looks pretty fucking awesome. Like it looks it's super detailed. It's animated really well. Like I think it looks cool. Ninety four, right? Yeah, ninety four. So it was like sort of swan song, right? Or towards the end. I don't know when. Uh, the Saturn came out in ninety five, early ninety. Yeah, so it was towards the end of uh, towards the end of Genesis. So it's understandable, like as to why it looks so good. The soundtrack's a little, a little weird, but you know the sound card on the Genesis was wasn't that good. So you hear a lot of weird, like whenever you kill somebody, it's like, you know, like it has like these weird yells from it. Kind of if you played any of the Streets of Rage games, they all kind of sound like that. Like whenever you kill somebody, it sounds like that. But it was it was fun. It's got you know it's got some puzzles in it. It's, it's top down, very much like Zelda with like you know with with uh, different creatures that you can summon. There's and, like and, or just power ups. Well, there's no there's no like treasures aside from the guys aside aside from the I mean there's treasures but there's not like an item per dungeon you know there's just like the creatures that you find that you could summon but like I said it's kind of like Breath of the Wild you find like you'll find a sword that's stronger but you can only use it like 20 times or something like that and then it breaks so that's kind of how you find and you have you have a knife that never breaks and that's like something you can always count on. But you'll find like bombs and bombs and like crossbows and swords and stuff like that. But they'll all break eventually. So it's kind of just like managing your inventory as you go through it. But it's yeah, totally fun. Much like Breath of the Wild, you're right? Yeah, it reminded me of Breath of the Wild a lot. Especially like how you can hit stuff back at people. I mean, you can't throw your swords at anybody, but I knew you could do that in Breath of the Wild. I saw that where like they throw something at you and you can knock it out of the air. You can do that in this. You can knock like somebody shoots an arrow at you. You can knock it out of the air with your sword. You can like cut through the arrow. Or if they throw a bomb at you, you can smack the bomb back at the dude and kill him, which I thought was really cool. Like for 94, I mean, I hadn't really seen much of that. I didn't really find a whole lot about the guys who developed it. Apparently, uh, apparently the guy who directed it, like I was just searching his name, and apparently he made us, he made a movie about uh, Bubble Bobble 3 years ago that's what i said he wrote he wrote like the story of bubble bobble three like some it was it was on imdb like he was on there for that i was like wow should see if i can find that i'm probably not going to find it though hopefully it's in english or i mean there's (laughs) titles at least i'm sure it's not in english and uh the way i I didn't mention the way you summon the gods it's basically you have your armlet and you shoot it at stuff so like if you want to summon the water god you shoot it at water or if you want to summon the fire god you shoot it at fire if you want the shade god you shoot it at a reflective surface which i was hoping you could just shoot it at shadows because they're like everywhere but you can't do that and like same thing with like the plant you have to find like this little this little tiny venus flytrap thing that'll help you spawn it but they have some really creative ways of doing that like you can you can light torches so then you can come back and like bring your fire guy out from those and there's also some puzzles like involving lighting torches and stuff like that and there's also like you're in a cave and there's a little drip of water and if you shoot the little water drop it'll turn into the water character so i felt like they had some really creative like puzzles the around that around finding ways to summon your summon your uh, creatures and use them to get to the next part and the uh, the shade the shade character is actually he's the hook shot so <laughs> you can actually send him out and he'll grab stuff and pull you to the next part which i thought was interesting so there's a hook shot in there it's just a it's just like this ghosty shade character that'll just he reaches out to these nails and like brings you to the other part shady hook shot shady hook shot dude but yeah, is there, uh, is there anything else? I mean, is there anything else you want to know about the about the game? So you said you can save on the world map, and uh, it's always like it's an action RPG, so you don't you kind of have like a minion that'll attack for you sometimes. Yeah, mostly you, it's can, just you. you can control them to a point. Like uh, you know, it uses the three Sega buttons. You know, just A, B, and C. 
So like A is A is you know if you hit that in different like say the water god if you hit A once it'll shoot water at a guy if you tap A twice the water god will heal you it'll do like heal heal spell and if you hold A it'll turn into this water tornado and like go around and kill everybody and that's kind of about like how most of them work it's either like it'll be like one move a second move and then like a move that hits everybody so like same with like the like the fire one explodes and hits everything or like it does it'll do like a fireball where it'll go it'll actually kind of like turn into the so it'll, it'll basically like kind of warp. It'll turn into a little like fire and go from one side to another. There's actually a part where you have to race where it gets on this racetrack and you have to race around and beat a time. It's only in the game once, which is really weird. But you use, use that for the fire, for the fire god. Use that little, the little fireball thing and go from one side to another. But it's cool. I guess the ancient company I found out was started by the uh, game by the guy who wrote the music. Uh, Yuzo Koshiro was the guy who actually created the company with his family, like before before they had made this game. Like he started with like his mom and sister. Oh wow! Well. Yeah, his sister his sister works as a graphic designer, and his mother yeah it was founded by him, his mother, and his Yuzo, Yuzo Koshiro. And they worked on Sonic the Hedgehog, Game Gear, Streets of Rage two. They actually worked on Act Razor two for Super Nintendo. I thought that was pretty crazy. Robotech. Beyond Oasis, Legend of Oasis. I think there was like a couple. There's like a couple other. Uh, they did. Sh- they did the first Shenmue. They worked on that. So I guess I don't think they're doing anything for Shenmue now. But uh, the last game they made was Protect Me Night Two for the 3DS eShop. So they had a couple Nintendo games on there. There was some uh, weird GameCube game on here too that I hadn't heard of. They did Amazing Island for GameCube. Do you ever heard yeah. of that? I think I think I don't think it came out here. Or no, it did. Yeah, it's a Sega game. It has a, basically has a picture of a kid with a giant hand on the front and four little creatures next to him. So I guess it might be kind of a spiritual successor to Beyond Oasis. Can't think of anything else I can say about Beyond Oasis. Aside that it's a fun little like uh, action RPG. This is very cool. It's, I I thought I found it interesting just because it's not too many games like that. I mean, it's similar to Zelda, but it has enough differences that I think it's I think it's fun. Aren't Sega games like six bucks or are they still eight? I think it's I don't know. It's like seven or eight or maybe six. I don't know. I don't remember the prices. I don't remember the prices on virtual console but you can check it out it's still it's still available on there still hanging on the original Wii shop. i thought about buying some games for the wii just because you know there's more stuff on there i, I, I thought about getting rondo of blood for my old wii but i haven't gotten it yet oh the uh turbo graphics version yeah yeah the the they guess that's they did that retro not so they talked about that about how it's available for virtual console yeah i think that's the one with the like cd quality sounds yeah better. red book audio red book audio well well that well that was our episode 31 our obscure rpgs that you can find on virtual console episode you can find our podcast on itunes please leave us a review if you're on itunes you could probably find us on any other streaming service that you want if you're on that you know subscribe to us you can find us on nintendomainpodcast.com as well and you can email the show at nintendomain.podcast at gmail.com and we've been your hosts I'm Trey Johnson. Jeremy McCaskill. And uh, we'll, we, won't, we won't be back next week because I'll be on vacation. But in a couple weeks, we'll be back with a 64 episode. So we will, we will see you then. See you then. Thank you.